Hello, and welcome to Tree Speech. Last season, we focused on the theme, Speaking for the Trees, and we enjoyed conversations with authors and advocates, historians and poets who all championed trees. If you haven't listened to those episodes, feel free to go back at any time. In this, our third season, we're going to focus on ways to commune with trees. We will speak with writers who have studied trees and can share rich knowledge from their personal, scientific, and spiritual journeys, as well as artists and advocates who dialogue with trees in their own work, and we'll explore ways that we can all communicate with and truly listen to the wisdom of trees. We at Tree Speech and our producer, A Light Theatre Guild, are incredibly grateful for your support as we launch this new season. This week's episode was written and recorded in Massachusetts on the native lands of the Wabanaki Confederacy, Penacook, Massachusetts, and Pawtucket people, as well as in New York on the land of the Lenape tribes. Now, let's begin our new season with the freshly emerging season of spring as we celebrate the vernal equinox with a hike. The last time we took this hike together, the sun was setting on the eve of the wondrous winter solstice. Snow was thickly laid on the ground, my fingers were freezing, and I could see my breath. Over a cup of steamy tea, we were celebrating the return of light, of longer days. And now, three months later, in the northern hemisphere, we're coming out of winter, For many, winter is a cozy time, a time of rest, a time of reflection, when we take a moment to step back and plan for what's next. The vernal, or spring, equinox is right around the corner on March 20th. Birds are chirping, anticipating warmer weather. There's the promise of budding flowers underneath the rich mud and melting snow, and the feeling of returning and rebirth is in the air. The warmer temperature and spring buds encourage us to move forward, but the pandemic continues with mask mandates changing every week. There's worry and outrage as inflation increases the cost of living. Equal rights for all bodies remains a struggle. There's unsteadiness in the government and even a war. March was named after the Roman deity Mars, who was both the god of war and the protector of agriculture. Back in ancient times, March is when both farming and war began again, since neither could be done well in the dead of winter. How odd that cultivating the land and growing the food that nurtures us occurs simultaneously as war and destruction. Two very different powerful forces that seem contradictory. Yet these conflicting, concurrent events are happening in our world right now, today. So here we are, in this liminal space between winter and spring, rest and action. 
How do we move ahead when the ground beneath our feet feels unsteady? How do we mark this time of transition that feels even larger this year? How do we embrace this time of spring's renewal and rebirth? I don't have all the answers, but a hike always helps. My name is Dory Robinson, and I'm your host for Tree Speech, a podcast that listens to the wisdom of nature to remember our interconnectedness to the natural world. No matter how many times I walk here, it's nice to see how this path changes after every storm, after sunny days, and throughout every season. I can also see how I have changed as I measure the forks in the road I've come to love on this path and in my own life. Nothing is budding quite yet, but much of the snow has thawed, so the little creeks have swelled quite beautifully. Right now, they are the strongest sound in the forest, both energizing and calming all at once. I am acutely aware of how fortunate I am to be standing on this ground, this familiar, loved land. I think about people half a world away who are being chased from their land, or who are desperately fighting for it. Our land, our trees, the smell of them, the sight of them, their beauty, what they provide for the soil, the water, the air, and our spirits, it all creates our world of home. French philosopher Simone Weil wrote that to be rooted is perhaps the most important and least recognized need of the human soul. I see each tree as a witness to the land, the people, the flora, and the fauna. In this way, they hold the history of a place, arboreal historians. You can feel it when you touch a tree, a sense of connection. So what happens when a tree is lost or a whole forest? Years ago, when the height of the conflict raged in Syria, I remember speaking with my distraught mother. Our family had lived in Syria for generations, and my great-great-grandfather had even been a rabbi there. As we gazed at the destruction of this land and helplessly wanted to aid the refugees, my mother said to me, that's it. That's the last of the Aleppo our family once knew. No more synagogues, museums, trees, parks, and most of all, people. That Syria is lost forever. Although this war is not happening on our soil here, we are connected. This is the example the trees set for us. Trees are interconnected in an unexpected way, specifically through fungus, and share nutrients and even communicate information. While we normally think of fungus as mushrooms, mushrooms are just the fruit of the fungus, while the majority of the organism lives interwoven through the soil in a vast network called mycelium. Mycelia are tiny threads which wrap around and bore into tree roots. Individually, they are threadbare, but together they connect individual plants to transfer water, nitrogen, carbon, and other minerals. They have been dubbed as the World Wide Web by German forester Peter Volleben, 
who has researched the ways trees communicate. We can learn so much more from trees. Trees change all the time, adapting to each season and the weather, and yet they are deeply rooted in the ground, able to find stability right where they stand. Perhaps by observing how trees survive and adapt, we can remind ourselves that we, too, can be flexible in each season. Meteorologically speaking, the official first day of spring happened on March 1st. The meteorological seasons closely follow the Gregorian calendar and are based on annual temperature cycles rather than on the position of Earth in relation to the sun. Similar yet different, the astrological calendar divides the year into fourths, but using the stars, not the calendar. During an equinox, the Earth's axis is at zero degrees, tilting neither toward nor away from the sun. Equinox roughly translates from Latin to equal night, as both the day and night hours are almost the same. Like the winter solstice, the vernal equinox is celebrated across the world. Several ancient cultures used their astronomical and mathematical skills to fashion mysterious and megalithic structures that point directly towards the rising sun on this day every year. One of the most famous examples of this is Stonehenge, the remains of a prehistoric circle of huge standing stones thought to have been placed 5,000 years ago, where Druids, Pagans, Wiccans, and other nature-based practitioners congregate to commemorate the beginning of spring. During the spring equinox, visitors are allowed to access the inner circle of the stones only until the sun has risen, and after which it is restricted again. The celebration inside involves drinking dandelion and burdock cordials, believed to cleanse the blood, and playing ancient musical instruments. Another famous megalith where equinox celebrations occur is at the ruins of Chichen Itza in Mexico, specifically the ancient Mayan pyramid El Castillo, where crowds of people gather to watch as the afternoon sun creates a long shadow that resembles a snake slithering down the stairs of the 79-foot-tall pyramid. As the day progresses, the shadow merges with a large serpent-head sculpture at the base of the structure. Symbolically on this occasion, the feathered serpent joins the heavens, the earth, and the underworld. Day and night become connected. Perhaps one of the oldest known spring celebrations is Nowruz, the Persian New Year. In the Iranian language of Farsi, Nowruz means new day. Going back 4,000 years, it emerged as people of this region left the nomadic life and established settlements, which started a new phase in human civilization. Beginning weeks before the actual equinox, the home is cleaned thoroughly to start the new year in a fresh and healthy space. On the last Wednesday evening of the year, bonfires are traditionally lit in public spaces to signify hope and happiness. People leap over the fire, sing traditional songs, and exclaim, Give me your beautiful red color and take back my sickly pallor. After Nehruz is over, families visit the nearest body of water to release their sabze, a growing sprout or grass they have grown, in the water to symbolically rid any negative energy from their home 
and to make way for lightness in the new year. Moving to the other side of Asia is Shunbun no Hai, the vernal equinox celebrated in Japan. Rooted in the ancient Shintoism religion, followers believe that every natural object possesses a spiritual force. Now it is a national secular holiday where it is still believed that during the equinox, when the day and night are of equal lengths, the Buddha appears to help guide lost souls to the afterlife. To honor and aid this process, Japanese families visit the graves of ancestors and loved ones. Upon their visit to the grave sites, the families clean the tombstones, leave flowers, offer food, and pay respects. The Japanese also seek out natural beauty, especially the celebrated cherry blossom trees, known as sakura, as a symbol of renewal and the brevity of life. The beauty and colors of spring play a big role in the ancient Buddhist spring festival called Holi, a national holiday in India. It is also known as the Festival of Love or the Festival of Colors and celebrates various important Hindu legends signifying the triumph of good over evil. This year, Holi will be celebrated beginning the eve of March 17th. The celebrations continue the next morning in a free-for-all, where colored powder and water balloons are joyfully tossed about to celebrate the many colors of spring. This frolicking fight with colors happens in the open streets, parks, and outside temples and buildings. Music is played, there is singing and dancing, and finally, food and drinks are shared with friends and family, such as sweet flatbreads, fried pastries, and drinks with cooling properties, such as Thande, a royal drink using cashew, cardamom, poppy seeds, black pepper, almonds, fennel seed, and rose petals. The pagan celebration of the vernal spring equinox is called Ostara, which honors the spring goddess and earth mother. This celebration shares a name with the Germanic goddess of spring, traditionally called Yoster, by the Anglo-Saxons, from whom we derive the name for the modern celebration of Easter. Tradition states that one day, Yoster came upon an injured bird and, to save her life, transformed her into a hare. However, the transformation was incomplete. In gratitude for saving her, the hare laid eggs and decorated them as gifts to her. Parts of the myth were eventually absorbed into the more modern Easter celebrations. When Pope Gregory sent a mission to England with instructions to convert the pagan inhabitants to Christianity, he advised to allow the outward forms of old heathen festivals and beliefs to remain intact, but to superimpose Christian ceremonies and philosophies on them wherever possible. I'm passing a sweet birch right now. Birches are incredibly strong, as is evidenced by this one slim tree who has grown through a boulder. It's a powerful sight. The birch tree has a variety of meanings and significance assigned to it across nations, one of the strongest being birth and renewal due to its fast-growing nature. The Celtic religion views birch as one of the most sacred trees for this reason, and often uses birches in fires to celebrate new life. Even more, their strong and tenacious nature allows them to grow in locations that have been otherwise damaged or destroyed. 
Love and fertility deities, such as the northern European Frigga and Freya, have strong associations with birch, as does our old friend Yoster. Along with birch, there are several other trees who rule the spring in the Ulam alphabet, an early medieval alphabet used primarily to write the early Irish language. In Norse mythology, the world tree was an ash, and Odin hung from it to obtain enlightenment and the secret of the runes, and his spear was made from its branch. This cosmic tree links the world of humans with the realms of spirit and myth. Two springs flow from its roots, the sources of wisdom and of fate. Ash teaches that all life is interconnected on all levels of existence, past, present, future, spiritual, mental, and physical. What happens on one level happens on all levels. The idea is that your thoughts and actions in the physical world impact all levels of your being. It is no wonder that ash is one of the three sacred trees of the Druids, the others being oak and thorn. A lesser known and considerably less ancient equinox practice originated in the 1970s in a neighborhood in Annapolis, Maryland where yacht club members shed and burn their socks in celebration of springtime. This all began after a heavily snowy winter in 1978, when a Napolitan Bob Turner was eager to shed his socks with the arrival of spring and invited his colleagues to celebrate the end of winter with him by burning their socks after work. Thus, this unusual tradition was born one which is practiced annually on the vernal equinox in Annapolis and across the United States, even in landlocked areas. Everyone has their own way of celebrating the changing seasons, ancient or modern, solemn or humorous. I'm heading back now, once again racing against the setting sun. I always tell myself that I'll be out briefly, but once in the woods, I can't resist staying out a bit longer. In New England, this is a season of mud, and with a little less light, I'm trying not to slip, slide, or fall. Dr. Lisa Templeton has written extensively on the power of being rooted and has taught that when we work to be grounded like the roots of a tree, we learn three significant lessons. First, grounding into ourselves and rooting down into our thoughts and emotions help us know who we are. Second, we can more readily feel the connection of others. Through these roots, we find support from those around us who uplift and can provide connection to those in need as well. Lastly, when we are firmly grounded, we can be more flexible. So how do we embody the lessons of the trees and find groundedness even during difficult times? When we are rooted deeply within ourselves, we can more easily bend to uncomfortable and stressful aspects of life. My way to do this is to be among the trees. Thank you for joining me on this hike. I was reminded that the vernal equinox with almost equal parts light and dark is a time to find that very rare thing that is so crucial right now, balance. As we look to the promise of this coming spring, I will leave you with a beautiful four-minute meditation composed and performed by renowned musician David Brandon Ross. 
There is just the littlest bit of a lush orange sunset peeking through the trees now, and I'm close to the very end of the trail. I hope you are finding your own ways to mark the equinox. Thank you once again for joining me on my hike today. Have a happy vernal equinox, and please enjoy this beautiful meditation. Thank mm-hmm. you.